What if I want to what if I want to be a horrible murderer? Well, it's called free will, Steve, but it's illegal. <laughs> Damn, if only. <laughs> That's the only thing preventing people who are murderers from murdering is that it is ah, If you think about it, I don't know. <laughs> if you think about it, I don't know. Never has there been a clear representation of your thought patterns. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Song Tops Report, ladies and gentlemen. Where we dissect bad... Uh, now, now we have to keep Go that in. Go for it. Now you have to keep that in. Where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I'm... St- Jumping in the front of the line, Stephen Trollinger. I'm Nick Brigadier. And I'm Mike Russell. And now I'm going to pass the mic off to Nick because it's actually his show. (laughs) Thank you very much. I was so prepared to have the segue be in talking about how far down a rabbit hole I went researching this week's episode. Um, and how I'm starting to think that these Scientologists actually have some good ideas. No, Nick! (laughs) Nick, stay away from the Scientological Oh, that's SP talk! (laughs) SP! Yeah, you got your arcs and your... Kura's mixed up. K-R-A, whatever that is, the stupid little triangle thing. Yeah, don't worry. You, every, you, the listeners, and both of my co-hosts will know all the terminology by the end of this week's episode, uh, which is very exciting. This is our first two-part episode because mm-hmm. the subject that we're discussing today, which is the music of Scientology, was such a massive subject, uh, we couldn't condense it into one episode. So Nick are... refused to allow it to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I refused to. Um, I really took after L. Ron Hubbard and just refusing and telling you people what to do. Really took a, really took a lot out of really took a lot out of the old playbook. L. Ron Hubbard rented his own yacht. I did. Got, it was a lot of fun. Got high on blow. Uh, Nick had a hell of a week. Yeah, yeah <laughs> threw children overboard. Oh, it was great. <laughs> Rip brought back indentured servitude, so he had someone to clean his boat. Yes, this week's uh, episode required the most research I think I've ever done for any episode on this podcast. Let's just kind of, let's, let's establish. You, the listener, you might know a little bit about Scientology already. Mike, where would you say you rank on the on the e-meter? Uh, uh, I think on the, uh, you know, my rank would be maybe like a level, like a level two. You know what I mean? Like, okay. uh, I've, uh, I've You been idiot, ex- that's not how they level themselves. <laughs> they, uh, oh, man. <laughs> I guess I'm going to be demoted back to level one then. Is that why? No, I, uh, there's no levels. <laughs> <laughs> no but, numbered levels. Uh, I remember when South Park made fun of yes. it, and, and then, Lord Zenu, and then and Chef got mad, so he just left the show, and then they turned him into yes. a pedophile. And I thought that was, but that's South Park. So, all but, hail Lord Zenu, <laughs> Lord of the Soul Volcanoes. And Steve has established how much he knows about Scientology. Yes, I the try I I in preparation for this episode, I was really hoping that we would form like a triumvirate of knowledge. Mike would take the place of the average listener. In the sense that he has absolutely no knowledge to base this, his uh, no. You are the point of reference yeah. for the audience. Yeah, you, you are. Like, I know the pop we, culture references. We got three people. We got someone who's no, who knows nothing. <laughs> someone who has everything written down, and me in the middle, the guy who knows just enough to sound like an asshole yeah. about it. <laughs> Well, on the note of the listeners, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, welcome. Yes, and welcome, if you man, bienvenue, <laughs> welcome. Lord Zenu welcomes you. And uh, if you have listened before, uh, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have not done so already. Um, or the church will come after you. No, actually, I'm not going to lie. I, I So I have read uh, several books and watched several documentaries in preparation for this uh, episode. And I'm a little scared that we're going to get gang stalked and that they are going to come. They're the most litigious group out there. You're and afraid of that. I'm afraid of actually getting sued. Listen, we, you know, we can't go into this without giving them a, a fair glance and perspective. You Don't know? both well, sides Scientology <laughs> no, at the beginning No, actually, of the show. To, to Mike's point, that was actually something I considered doing because it's like, well, you hear about all the negative things, but what about the positive things? Uh, what I will say about this is... Over the next two episodes, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the music of Scientology, uh, from music performed by the church's founder, L. Ron Hubbard, to propaganda music funded by the church itself after L. Ron Hubbard's death, to original songs performed by Scientologists who were just so inspired and had a song in their heart that they just wanted to put it out into the world. A.K.A. I think Will Smith, right? Is that the one we're doing? <laughs> yeah. Yes, as Mike has established, Will Smith is clearly a Scientologist. No, Will Smith is not necessarily a Scientologist. I'm so rumors convinced. start, Mike. Hey, get lit. I'm just telling you. Like, it's 
It's all there. Get operating Phaeton. Yes. Get OT3. That's what he really <laughs> meant. Um, while we will be covering the basics of the church's history and beliefs for the purposes of context, uh, I do just want to say this will by no means be a deep dive into Scientology itself. If this episode, however, does pique your interest in finding out more about Scientology, then I can definitely recommend oh. checking out the resources that I use, which are the book Barefaced Messiah by Russell Miller. It's one of the rare biographies by uh, about L. Ron Hubbard that was not written by Church of Scientology members, so it's actually a fairly like unbiased perspective. Had some fun, juicy little tidbits, which I'll share a little L. Ron bit L. Ron Hubbard is like if... George Lucas lost all moral center. <laughs> I was going to say if George Lucas turned into a crocodile. Yeah, or that. Because that's kind of what L. Ron Hubbard looks like. Uh, also, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> the uh, HBO documentary Going Clear, uh, Scientology and the Prison of Belief, was excellent. It's a lot of ex-members of the Church of Scientology. Wait, the Prison of Belief? The Prison of Belief. So, like, believing keeps you... Imprisoned. It's almost, yeah. I know, isn't that... It's, 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 it's crazy imagery, isn't it? Oh, my God. And um, also, there was an uh, article, of, old article of, uh, from the LA Times called The Mind Behind the Religion by Joel Sappel and Robert W. Welkos. So those are some of the resources for those people who want to dive in a little bit more deeply. Um, because like I said, for this, we will give you a little bit of an overview, but just enough to kind of understand the context of the music that we're going to be describing. This is still a music-based comedy podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes, we promise. Other 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 podcasts have done a much better job of of the uh, they've done the they've done the real work. Whoa, well, well, do not compliment other pod. Listen, this is the best podcast about the worst music. Okay, please tell me we're going to be talking about music. Yes. we will be talking <laughs> about music. In fact, Mike, the first song that we're talking about today uh, that falls under the umbrella of Scientology is actually kind of a banger. It's actually pretty good. Ooh. But it's when you find out that it was essentially cr music created by a bunch of slaves on a traveling boat who were tortured for uh, off and on about 10 years. But we'll get into all of that uh, starting right now. So I think it's important before we dive into the music of Scientology, just have a working definition of what is Scientology. Now, I found two different definitions describing what is Scientology, one provided from the Church of Scientology's website and one provided by someone who I think was a little bit more cynical. Uh, but Steve, if you could read the first definition of what is Scientology. A religion that offers a precise path leading to a complete and certain understanding of one's true spiritual nature and one's relationship to self, family, groups, mankind, all life forms, the material universe, the spiritual universe, and the supreme being. But it has also been defined as... Scientology sells past life therapy at huge rates and the promise that a member will eventually achieve superhuman powers. Uh, yes, so that is our... Oh my god, I get superhuman powers? If Mike, I that is how they here? get you! Come that on, That is how they man. get you! You get superpowers. <laughs> My Correction, the superpowers were always inside of you, but they've been locked away because of all of the nasty, um, what is it that he's got? Engrams? All the engrams. Yes, all the engrams. Oh my God, I didn't even realize I was eating engrams. You're full of engrams. Nick, Nick, so you're telling, is this why? Is this why? Oh my God, you're telling me that, because like uh, I know a lot of Scientologists are in the entertainment industry. Yes. And now they're all superheroes in the Marvel Universe. Who is a superhero in the Marvel Universe that's a Scientologist? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Is Robert Downey Jr. a Scientologist? No. no but but please, Mike, throw out more wild accusations. Fuel the fires. I'm determined to figure it out, man. Oh, God. But what, no. what do you think your superpower would be, Steve, if you were a Scientologist? I feel like that's a little bit beyond the scope of the current episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just throw it back to Mike, Nick. Remember how we joked? Not... What five hours ago? How I had gone so far into this, like I'm thinking the Scientology is pretty good. Ha ha ha! We laughed about it. And two minutes into talking about Scientology, Mike's like, "Listen, guys, you guys go ahead. I'm running down to the Times Square Scientology Center, and I'm gonna get audited." <laughs> I love they call it auditing, dude. <laughs> oh yes. And Mike, I've, you've already failed in the one thing I asked you to do, which was I've already thrown so much. So many Scientology acronyms and BS terminology at you, the listeners, and you probably don't necessarily even know what I'm talking oh, about. I haven't asked about any of them. <laughs> Mike, see, that's how they Scientologists get you, Mike. I'm just barreling you over with acronyms. You're just like, ah, oh, yeah, superpowers. What's an SP? You called me an SP earlier. That is a, um, 
Suppressive person. Exactly. A suppressive person. If you are a Scientologist, you are to avoid SPs at all costs. Listen, people, if someone's... If, you got, I think it's supportive person. That's all it is. Like, <laughs> oh my God, you're throwing tens of thousands of dollars into this religion. You can't afford it. Oh, you're suppressing me. <laughs> Stop suppressing <laughs> yeah. I like your positive spin on Scientology. But uh, you can't talk about Scientology without talking about the founder Tology. of Scientology. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that too. Uh, the founder, L. Ron Hubbard. Now... I'm going to just speed through his biography because his biography is very interesting. Essentially, essentially, what L. Ron Hubbard did was a fictional autobiography. Is exactly, what he, ah. he wrote his own fictional autobiography. Essentially, because according to him, he had like the most Huckleberry Finn childhood imaginable. He um, he was raised on a giant ranch in Montana. Lies. He was made a um, honorary Native American by the Blackfoot tribe Lies. in the Blood Brother ceremony. Um, he traveled the world, which is technically true. Yes, technically true. But um, did he fake his own death with his buddy, and then they came back later, and the whole town was upset? It would not have surprised me if he did do that. He did that. That is not mentioned in his autobiography. He has faked injuries, though. Yeah. Um, but no, like for instance, that happened in Huckleberry Finn, right? No, that not. was Tom Sawyer. Ah, shit. same same <laughs> cinematic universe, Steve. Tomato, tomato. No, but like what he would do was he would kind of aggrandize himself in. Um, Whenever he was writing about his past, and this has since been like canonized by the church. He's now. a natural-born storyteller. Ah, he was, and he had a very magnetic personality. People liked to hear his stories. People liked to hear him talk. He was very engaging. And he, he was had, very and charismatic. He had the, just the the barest of minimum foundation of truth. Exactly. Ah, oh, once you if you know you got a nugget of truth, you can say anything. It's it's crazy. And that's the problem with this country as a, as a whole. <laughs> he was very magnetic. And people gravitated towards him until they got to know him. <laughs> and then they worshipped him, right? No. Talk to any of his various wives or children, and they will tell you a very different story. Um, but L. Ron Hubbard, first and foremost, was a science fiction writer. He was primarily known for writing pulp science fiction. Um, when he was younger, like in, around the 30s, it was mostly like cheap little like Western stories that appear in like little pulp magazines. Like he churned Extraterrestrial those out. orange juice. Did, what? Did, <laughs> what? what? Yes. <laughs> yes, Mike. That was what they were about. <laughs> it's pulp science fiction. Come yeah. on, Nick. E T O J. Mike, I've told you over and over again. This podcast is not a jumping-off point for your sketch ideas. <laughs> as much as I would love to see that, but he was primarily a uh, science fiction writer, but. Even early on, he had very grand aspirations. He said at one point in a letter to his wife, I, I, I lost the exact quote, but essentially his goal was to smash his name into the history books. And he said smash in a very aggressive way. His goal was to just, using whatever means necessary, be someone who is remembered by history. And in a way, he obviously succeeded. You can't fault him on that, man, you know? Yes, I can. <laughs> He's dead, so uh, yes, I can. <laughs> no, Mike would admire him. He's very much a self-promoter, you know? <laughs> and we could all learn something from that. That we could. <laughs> no, but L. Ron Hubbard's goal, even though he started off as a, as a science fiction writer and wrote science fiction throughout his life, he was very ambitious and very much wanted to become someone of historical importance. Uh, after writing, he went in the military. Uh, he technically served in World War II. Uh, and which he technically which, yes because that's another one of those little side stories he'll say that he got 22 medals he was wounded in war he was blinded his back was broken and he healed all of it through Scientology I fought the Kaiser that's the wrong war Ron <laughs> what 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 no, no I he, what he, he actually did was and Mike you will love this yeah. um he was he essentially bullshat bullshitted bullshat his way into uh bullshot. Uh, <laughs> Bullshot his way into being the captain of a submarine bomber in the Pacific. Now, when you say bullshit his way, he was excellent at this. He did this his whole life. He was friend. He was like drinking buddies with a guy who eventually ended up becoming a congressman, I believe. And then he got that cong that now congressman to write to the president to recommend L. Ron Hubbard as like a intelligent, worldly traveled expertly qualified person for the military and just through the bureaucratic system he he got into captaining the ship which was catastrophic <laughs> what because what he did was got some, got some jim jones flavor in there 
in what in who uh, influential with politicians yes and then also got presidents to talk to them it's almost like you could draw so many parallels to what's happening today you have to admit it's a certain skill to have oh it absolutely is it's just the problem is once you then become captain that ship and you start wasting depth charges on what you think is a japanese sub which it's a kraken So, so L. Ron Hubbard... Was it a giant squid instead of a Japanese ship? No, it was a magnetic rock deposit. And L. Ron Hubbard dropped depth charge after depth... Just kept dropping bombs, essentially, on what he perceived to be. And he would call in the military to send him more ammunition to keep dropping bombs until they finally realized it was a pretty well-known to all other, like, captains in the area magnetic rock deposit that was causing the aberration that he thought was a sub. And then, at one point, he and his ship just started... opening fire on an island just kind of because he was bored they, they don't really say exactly why he would say in hindsight it was a military training thing but they shot an island which turned out to actually be uh part of mexico oh no which technically could be construed as an act of war which means l ron hubbard almost got the u.s at war with mexico during world war ii not and again. So he was relieved of his uh, navy duties, but he would. That is uh. But he would still bull- But he would still lie about that and say he had the sterling military record. He because this is what he did. <laughs> this is why so many people listened to him, and how, because he was able to just say he was this worldly traveler who also served in the military and was an honorary Native American. Like he seemed like the most interest. He's like that, like that uh, guy in the uh, uh, Dos Equis. The most, oh, the most interesting man interesting in the world. Man in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically what L. Ron Hubbard was manufacturing himself to be. Oh, my. Well, Nick, what do you want him to say? Yeah, I, I bombed Mexico my submarine because I was bored. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff wouldn't be in That's for another 70 years. <laughs> oh, I'm scared to be in a submarine, man. I go crazy. Well, he was. This was a boat. It was a bomber of submarines. Oh, so okay. he was. He was. He was still above the water for the most part. Oh, good, good, good. But, uh, <laughs> but then he was quickly underwater because <laughs> they kicked him out. Yeah. Uh, after the war, he goes back to writing, uh, and this is where he writes the most influential book that he wrote, Dianetics, which was, uh, which was is uh, not quite like the Bible to Scientology, but it was the first text that kind of solidified the practices of Scientology. Because it de- it dealt the with the Pentateuch. It's the Pentateuch of Scientology. Sure, <laughs> the Pentateuch. Okay, but that's where the uh, details of what I was showing you earlier of um, auditing and the e meter and all of that that was all outlined in Dianetics. It Scientology wasn't a thing quite at this point. This was almost as like a it was considered a poor man's psychotherapy because psychotherapy was very much new in the United States at this point it's very expensive the idea of dianetics was to give it it's almost like give people a similar sort of kind of therapy but oh my, to the people every religion uses therapy that's what they do. It's like when you confess your sins confession, to the exactly priest. confession is therapy yeah, meditation is therapy people just need to get it out vocally man yeah but this is but this is the starting point where L. Ron Hubbard started to amass followers, people who believed in this, and then he later expanded it into and wait, yes, that that too. He, L. Ron Hubbard fat joke number one for the day. <laughs> yeah, start tallying now, listeners. There's probably going to be more than one. So, so Nick, yes. So, just because we're talking about boats, yes. Are, are we are we going to talk about these people that were on the boat that sang the song? <laughs> well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a little bit of the first song on our journey to Scientology because, like I said, how the long f- have you been recording? <laughs> the first because the first song it's kind of a ba- it's actually an entire album. So I'm going to play a little bit of the music and then I'm going to give you the backstory about what led to this pretty decent jazz fusion album actually. Okay. So we're going to play a little bit of an album called Power of Source by the Apollo Stars. My soul and my wallet being lightened. <laughs> now, Mike, what if I told you that album was composed um, of 
members of Scientology, the most diehard members of Scientology, who had been on a boat for years on end, forced to scrub the deck, periodically thrown off at the whim of a tyrannical dictator, and forced to perform for audiences all over the world with little to no reprieve in between performances. I'd say you were describing a cruise ship director. (laughs) Close. Uh, So this was part of Sea Org. Now, to give you a very truncated history of what happened between what I just told you about Scientology and this, um, Scientology became very pop, well, fairly popular. Uh, Dianetics was a bestseller. Um, But L. Ron Hubbard... And we'll get into the abu- all the abuses of the church a little bit later, um, just so we feel a little bit more self-righteous in making fun of this music on our podcast. Uh-huh, L. Ron uh-huh. Hubbard was starting to have the IRS investigate him, because essentially, it's always been an issue with the Church of Scientology that they don't want to pay taxes. And they don't want to pay taxes because they've insisted from the beginning that they are a legitimate religion. Oh. And as of today, they actually technically are recognized as a legitimate religion, but at the time, they were not. So L. Ron Hubbard was refusing to pay taxes. The IRS kept hounding him for their money. Eventually, it got to the point where all L. Ron Hubbard could do was to stop getting harassed by all the money that he owed. Uh, he, he bought three boats and just started sailing the ocean. To the because, high seas. <laughs> because they couldn't find him on the ocean. But uh, what, are, what are taxes like if you're out on the ocean? Well, the idea is just simply that they can't hound him and try to shake him down for right. the money. If he's, if he's doing all of his operations from a boat. It's, uh, it's, why didn't Al Capone take to the seas? You know, he would have been smart to do that. Well, because Al Capone was uh, felt safe in his... Like, it's the same reason why Richard Nixon bugs his own office. Like, he, you feel untouchable to the point where it becomes a liability. Exactly. Ron, L. Ron Hubbard knew he could be touched. Yeah. Oh, was he touchable? So touchable. <laughs> but it's like, it's like any other con man who uh, sees the ground shrinking beneath his feet after running one too many cons in one area. He's got to move to Newtown and the same and so on. It's, uh, eventually, he runs out of space, and he's got to skip town, skip the country. Uh, and so, he, in this case... He literally did that, took to the high seas, and then proceeded to become an international con man, getting kicked out of country after country after country. <laughs> yes, no country wanted Scientology on their shores. Now, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, even though you see him pictured here on the album artwork in the center, uh, that is him with the weird little hat on, he did not perform the music. In fact, up until this point, I didn't find any record of him actually ever being a musician. He thought he was a genius or whatever he did. But music wasn't really one of those things. He considered himself a producer of these guys. But what I love is, it ties into where we are right now, actually, this very moment recording. When L. Ron Hubbard was on the high seas and he came back the first time, um, he landed in Queens, New York, and got an apartment right in this neighborhood. And this neighborhood we're in right now. Yes. Now that he had been on the way s- to dox yourself, Nick. <laughs> at this at at this address, which is <laughs> drive, um, he had been on the seas for ten years, totally unaware of what was happening in the United States. He was operating Scientology, but he didn't know what was happening here. He comes back here. He just starts watching TV. Women's lib. Oh, no. (laughs) He starts watching TV to try to catch up on everything he's missed in the past 10 years. He doesn't know pop culture. He doesn't know politics. He doesn't know what's going on. He's just been out of the loop. But I love this. This this was from um, the book Bareface Messiah. He claimed that watching TV for a few weeks had made him a, quote, expert on pop music and modern dance. Uh, He said that he had made, quote, Important discoveries about the nature of rock music and the need for a strong, heavy beat. So L. Ron Hubbard knew what the kids were into, and that was when he launched the Apollo Stars here in this album, A uh, Power of Source, because basically what he did was he went back on the sea again, and as kind of like a way to ease his way into all these different ports of entry to, to spread Scientology, he had these, this, these, jazz, these poor jazz musicians perform... For him. And these people, they just happen to be people who played instruments, but he just says, okay, go together and start making music. And jazz fusion is what came out of it. And pretty good jazz fusion. They're good. I mean, because the conditions on these boats were awful. Like, as part of Scientology, they have a whole thing called ethics, which are essentially punishments, where if you have thetans in your body and they're interfering with you, um... You get punished by uh, being forced to scrub poop, by being thrown overboard, uh, and we will get into now, what those th- things are. So you get thrown over, and then they, they bring you back? They, yes. 
I mean, that'd be murder, I guess, if they didn't. But like, uh, like, but like, like, how long are you out in the sea? You know what I mean? Like, like, I love jumping off boats. But I mean, well, I guess uh, maybe not cruise ship boats. Mike uh, throws himself <laughs> off a boat any chance he gets. <laughs> like, well, do they drag you from behind for a little bit? That's just tubing where I'm from, man. Disney Cruises <laughs> still won't let Mike on again. Yeah. You uh, had you had one job, by the way. Nick, what's a Thetan? What is oh, a yeah, Thetan? What's a Thetan? <laughs> oh, I like hear you, and I'm just like that sounds like a bad person, good person, a person. What's a Thetan, Nick? What's a? I'm gonna give you the. Oh, okay. you, you asked for Thetans. I'm gonna give you that, and then some. I'm gonna give you the whole core of Scientology in like a paragraph and approximately three sentences. Billions of years ago, billions of years ago, the galaxy resembled essentially the United States in the 1950s. However, overpopulation was an issue, so the Supreme Galactic Overlord Xenu called people in for essentially audits and had them frozen with injections of glycol to the heart. He then boxed these people up and then loaded them into space planes that were then flown to the prison planet Tijiak, which was actually planet Earth, and the frozen bodies were then dropped into volcanoes, and then they set off hydrogen bombs on top of the volcanoes, after which the disembodied spirits of these bodies called Thetans floated out and were captured by uh, giant vacuum cleaner things in the sky. And then they were forced to sit in front of a massive, super colossal 3D movie screens where they were shown images, uh, implants, as L. Ron Hubbard would call it, of the crucifixion and other religious iconography. And when a child is born, a thetan will jump into that child's body and become the child's soul. Thetans are the source... Thetans, excuse me, sorry, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, are the sources of all our neuroses. And that E-meter is used to scan your body and attempt to locate any alien beings, and when you locate them, you tell them to just go away. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling... So you're, so you're saying... <laughs> you are desperately struggling to not say you're telling me, aren't you? I'm starting to catch myself saying it a lot. But wait, wait, wait. So the Thetan is like a demon. It's, it's an alien spirit. It's an alien spirit that's... And with, you can have more than one. Is it with my spirit? No, it's with an alien spirit. So am I an alien spirit? No, you are a human who has an alien spirit inside you called a Thetan that you need to get out. But what if I like my Thetan? Well, the Thetan is... Anything that's bad or like a negative... like mental emotion you have is the Thetan. So why would you want that? Oh, you gotta embrace that. It's like the yin yang, you know? Like No, no, you have to you have to you have to reject it. You have to tell yourself that you're infested with space demons and <gasps> get them out. Get these space demons out of me. <laughs> Dude, that's That's what? the core of Scientology. Get so, these space demons out of me. So the Thetans were thrown in a volcano and blown up and yes. then vacuumed up and then they Well Thetans were the souls of the aliens. Ah okay. <clears throat> Okay. It makes perfect sense, you see. But so you would normally have to be OT3, which is operating Thetan 3, which is a very high... You normally would have had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this information. Whoa. Because they give you a briefcase with handwritten notes of L. Ron Hubbard that had the origin story in it. But you have to have gone through a lot of training to get to that point. <laughs> but now I mentioned this episode covers the music that L. Ron Hubbard had a hand in. The, I certainly uh, hope it does. The Apollo Stars... <laughs> Power of Source, just a fun little free jazzy album. However, I need, I need to hear something, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, space jazz. Yes, Mike saw the title. So, L. Ron Hubbard continued to write, um, in addition to all the Scientology texts he was doing, he continued to write fiction. One of his most famous science fiction books is called uh, Battlefield Earth, which you may remember was adapted into one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> But this is, and it's a direct adaptation. So if it's directly adapted into the worst movie ever made, it certainly must be one of the worst books ever written. <laughs> but L. Ron Hubbard wrote an original soundtrack to Battlefield Earth called Space Jazz. So what you are he- what you're about going to hear is some highlights from this album because I listened to this whole album. Oh, it's Nick. not exactly listenable. Why? <laughs> oh. The things he does for us in this podcast, Steve. I didn't ask him to do any of this. <laughs> now, for the record, I saw the movie Battlefield Earth. I have not read the book. The book is 1,050 pages, I believe. Um, as much research as I did, I wasn't going to do that much research. So I don't necessarily know what this is referencing in, in relation to the book. But here's a little bit of the song uh, Funeral for a Planet. It's very dramatic. It goes a little something like this. Cosmos. But isn't this moody? Isn't this making you want to read the book? Oh, I don't 
sound invested can you imagine the <laughs> oh, coffee wore off <laughs> those poor come on as a lover of the lord of the rings steve certainly you can empathize empathize with these with these tree creatures that are just weeping these treachers these treachers right Over it's a the- metaphor it's not literal trees that are crying Oh, so the so the trees are the metaphor. So fuck the trees then. <laughs> That's Steve's stance. And the aliens getting thrown in the volcano and melting aren't. I had you pegged as an SP from the very beginning, Steve. I think somebody's got too many thetans on the left side of his brain. <laughs> oh, now he's an expert. Zing! <laughs> now he's an expert. Mike is cat Mike, you're hooking on to this theology pretty quickly. You know, of all of the stupid science fiction that could have been turned into an actual religion. There were so many better ones to choose. We could. Well, I don't know why we can't have a world where there's a religion based on Dune. Steve, stop being such a downer. I want to hear more of L. Ron Hubbard's album. I am the Muad'Dib. I am the Muad'Dib. Wait, wait, wait. That was Earth singing for a second? I think that was a metaphorical Earth singing, yes. I gotta say, Earth is a little flat. No, no. no. Oh, listen, listen, Nick. Nick, don't you breast shame Earth, okay? Right? Well, Bob would appreciate that joke. Earth was very flat. Oh, but uh, then there's another little ditty. Uh, this is a little bit more instrumental, but uh, March of the Cyclones. This one's a little rousing. Aren't they cyclones? That, that's when Penny McLean went to hell instead of heaven. Intergalactic orcs? <laughs> kind of. Or is this just Mike's stomach after Chipotle? <laughs> oh, looks like this looks is... like Gene Roddenberry blew all the budget on cocaine. <laughs> oh, and here's a little bit of uh, the song Turl, the security operator. That doesn't sound like John Travolta. It sounds exactly like him. What are you talking about? This is the opera. The, 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 the who? Turl. Turl. Turl is one of the cyclos. Yes, you were yeah, it's right. A cyclo. Yes. What the um, hell is a cyclo? Cyclo are aliens that come to take over Earth. Okay, let me explain oh. the plot. No, we're not let going to explain the plot of Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Johnny Goodboy Tyler. It's kind of catchy. <laughs> Are they friends with the Thetans? No. <laughs> doesn't have anything. Technically, doesn't have anything to do with Scientology. It's a science fiction stuff book that L. Ron Hubbard injected a little bit of the Scientology oh, into. Oh, okay, okay. So these are these. This is not part of the canonized version no, of Scientology. No, but when this book came out, all Scientologists were encouraged to buy as many copies as possible to get it up in the uh, New York Times bestsellers. You're telling me L. Ron Hubbard wrote his own fan fiction. Of Scientology, kind of like an uh, like a kind of like like a side like if this maybe if Scientology didn't work out he had a backup that people might buy into. It's kind of more like if um, Saint Peter and Saint Paul got together and thought, oh man, let's tell the story of Jesus again, but this time he's got a laser arm. (laughs) Exactly. And there's one quote because so L. Ron Hubbard was writing the book, and then he did this album at the same time. And there's one quote. This, this was uh, from a letter he wrote to someone where L. Ron Hubbard said, "And I quote: 
As Thoreau secluded himself by Walden Pond, so have I chosen to do so in my own fashion. I am actively writing, having published Battlefield Earth and my Space Jazz album. And I gotta say, I don't think Thoreau ever said he worked on his Space Jazz album. Also, also, you can't be a transcendentalist and be that fat. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> But the last little thing I have to play from this um, is pro- it's probably the most famous song from the album. Uh, I, once again, I don't understand the context of what is happening in the story when this comes out, but it's the song Wind Splitter. Wind Splitter. This is utterly baffling. That's, that's also after Mike eats Chipotle. Come on, boy. Let's see you dance. <laughs> Oh my, this is fucking. I feel like I'm about to see an inappropriate donkey show, man. I'm looking at a dressage show. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is like, is he? What? I feel like I feel like I'm playing uh I feel like I'm playing a uh, Sonic the Hedgehog uh, the Casino Night episode uh, level and like but there's just there's just horses everywhere for some reason like I, Sonic I, got stoned and then went to the casino level yeah, yeah. oh my god like and what's this one what's this one called this wind the, splitter the wind the wind splitter yes okay, well let's is there any vocals to it let's, well there's more ho- horse names the horse is the main vocalist yes. okay. That should be a naysayer. Oh, 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 oh Nick. Oh. Hey. Wind splitter, more like side splitter. <laughs> oh, we have fun here. Oh. Two hours later. Is the horse dancing? That's all I can derive from this. Come on, boy, let's see you dance. And then we get this waltzy music did and he, horse neighing. Did, like, was this supposed to be a musical? Was it supposed to be a movie? Is there music videos? Like, No what? music videos. Put way too much thought into this. I'm just, if you're going to kick off a song, hey, buddy, you should dance to his horse. It's not a song. It's a soundtrack. It's like a soundtrack to a movie, except they didn't get the movie made, so it was a soundtrack to a book. Haven't you ever read a book and thought, man, you know what this is missing? Some instrumental music. How has Scientology not put this on Spotify yet? It's an excellent question. You know, it's almost like Scientology is not proud of some of their musical output, because they make it so hard to find. Also, can you imagine, you're a Scientologist in the early 80s when this album comes out. L. Ron Hubbard is essentially God. He's the most enlightened person on earth. He's and he not really God. A... He's the Buddha. Okay, yes. It's more of a Buddha thing. It's a, it's a Buddha situation. Thank you for the. Especially in terms of like the size of his stomach. Exactly. Well, yeah, That's yeah, number three. three. <laughs> it's um, funny too because he wasn't like I'm making him out to be spectacularly fat. He was just kind of like a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm on a roll, so I'm going to keep going. But he uh, had a few uh, of them. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Number four. <laughs> Oh, man, you know it's stupid that oh, it's fucked up. They they take some some good little little lines of life and just completely wash well, people's brains. Well, that's the whole thing. Scientology is designed to appeal to skeptics. It's designed to like seem like oh, this seems like a good idea because uh, every like cult or religion usually starts with like good, open-minded, honest people wanting to make the world a better place. That's how you get your Jonestowns. That's how you get your Om Shinrikyos. That's how you get your Scientologies. That's how you get your wind splitters. But just knowing that the founder of the religion that you adhere to did this, I feel like that would be like if you were an early Christian and it turned out like Jesus was a shitty carpenter, like he couldn't make a chair. It's like you might still believe in the message, but when you actually see what they can do, it's like, oh. I mean, he did quit his day job. He did. How 
dare you, Nick? Oh, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad, especially. Okay. Uh, Nick, as, a, as somebody once mentioned on this podcast, when I was relentlessly making fun of Pistol Whip by Imagine Dragons, they uh, somebody said, well, that's where they started off, and look where they got to. I mean... So he said he had a shitty album in the 80s. You're right, Mike. The ends justify the means, truly. Anyway. No, but Mike, you're right. So, okay. So he had a shitty album, 1982. Let's travel through time four more years to 1986 to literally right before L. Ron Hubbard died. Okay, here. Let me write another check for $5,000 to be able to time travel. Yes, yes. There we go. Uh, 1986, right before L. Ron Hubbard's death. The, the, the 80s, this is kind of where Scientology is starting to gain some traction. Like, uh, John Travolta is a very big proponent of Scientology at this point. Oh my god! I got so many Phaetons in me! Mr. Carter! Oh my god! Um, 1986, the Church of Scientology releases their first official album. This is like the first album of, like, music for the church. Like, this is... but. Our Ron is an awesome Ron. He runs from TG above. That's not an actual song. Oh, it'd be I'm nice. Sorry. That would be, be nice. better than the shit we've been listening to. I- <laughs> well, yeah. So okay. So Mike. So maybe maybe the uh, Battlefield Earth album wasn't your cup of tea, mm-hmm. but maybe the album The Road to Freedom will be a little bit more to your liking. Oh, oh man. <laughs> So the Road to Freedom, like I said, was the first like official Church of Scientology album. Um, there's there was so I once again for the sake of research listeners, I listened to this entire album and I picked out the juiciest bits. Um, this song called "The Way to Happiness" kind of threw me off the most, which is disappointing because this album does actually feature John Travolta as a guest vocalist in parts of it, but you can't really tell his voice. He's always like singing in like a gang chorus. This song though. Struck me as the creepiest because it seems to be designed for children. Uh, here's a little bit of the beginning. Bad dream, honey. Oh. Now, Mama gonna sing you a lullaby. make any sense okay all, all i'm hearing right now is my ot likes to audit all the time audit all the time audit all the time <laughs> and i apologize the song's titled the worried being um so there was a worried being who did secret acts he felt he had to hide 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 mike does this describe you are you oh. feeling any kind of relation to this well unfortunately son nick none of my acts have been secret in fact they're all out there despite There's police reports check out my snapchat <laughs> <laughs> um jeez and he went by misunderstood words and became blank 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 those are all blank, those false blank. religions mike that's what that means it's. I mean, it's a, it's a song. Oh, went, went by misunderstood. Yes. Okay. More songs need this exact part in it. Dumb, 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 dumb. It was the voice of my subconscious throughout middle school. Oh, dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Um, I would have been highly susceptible to Scientology. This is, this is crazy. I feel like I could be watching this on like Nick Jr. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. It's so subversive. As we tumble to the ground, and then I say, "I think I'm a Thetan." <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't seem to be any OTs around. It's beautiful, Steve. I read my e-meter. <laughs> the Phaetons in my soul make the only sounds. 
You against the SP? Yeah, you know me. Me who's <laughs> against SP? Yeah, you know me. Was that an 80s song? That was OPP? Because I was going for Strictly 80s, because this is an 80s-ass album. It might album. have been 89. Mm-hmm. Come on. Maybe 90. All right. 91. The bet. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the bad experience gave him engrams and he began to hurt, hurt, hurt. Engrams are like embedded bad memories. That's what you're trying to get rid of. So the so the the bad experience gave him engrams. The engrams is a bad ex- When your when your puppy died when you were a kid, that's an engram. Okay. It gave you a traumatic memory that scars you psychologically. And you became hurt, 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 hurt. So, Ooh, what a sad so, song! And then the next line actually is combi- actually does, uh, speaks to that as well. Yes. The kids are laughing. Why are the kids laughing? And he began to shake, 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 shake. Ooh, what a sad song! Then the sights told him that he was bad, and he began to lie, 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 lie. Yeah. So, like, all that was like a little triptych there. All th- the three of those lines are basically saying, uh, "Oh, sorry, go back, oh, to no. the, go back to the top there." Uh, yeah. um, saying uh, he had a traumatic experience that left him with trauma, so a pharmaceutical company sold him a line of drugs that just got him addicted, and then psychiatrists who prescribed that drug told him that he had a problem. Like it's the the whole, yeah. the song is the song has an anti psychiatric bent, as does all of Scientology, which right. is weird because auditing is kind of like therapy in a way in that you're like it, it feels good to like get things off your chest and talk to someone. That's basically what auditing but is. Imagine but imagine if your therapist uses the information to blackmail you for loss of money. <laughs> Yes, which is what signed... Because here's the thing. Oh, God. How is that not illegal? Oh, my God. (laughs) Blackmail is typically illegal, yes. (laughs) No, but if it's within the religion... Well, because during the auditing process, they... If if you're a, if you're an upper member of Scientology, they video record you, but the auditor is taking notes the entire time. Those notes are securely filed away and kept. And if you ever... Um, Oh, what's the term? There's a term if you if you there's a specific Scientology term if you leave Scientology. Um, uh, slip on the good foot. If you blow, no. If you oh, bl- okay. Uh, <laughs> and you bl- if you blow, if you blow, yes. Come you, on, come on. <laughs> a lot of these terms. Ooh, they, what a they use a lot of like this jazz terminology. He loves jazz so yes. much. It's like you're gonna blow, man, blow, skibbity scat. <laughs> Being clear as the bee's knees. Uh, no, so if you leave Scientology, you are then considered, quote-unquote, fair game. If, uh, in which all of that information that they took on you during all of your years of auditing, they will use that to absolutely destroy you. Wait. <laughs> Wait. So if you, see, you go in, you're giving them everything. Yes. All your information. Yes. Information. Wow. Everyone wants the info, man. Info uh, is like, power. It's just... the only currency that really matters. And um, that and fists. Yes. <laughs> and we're making. Uh, doesn't matter. Okay. So, <laughs> so, dude. So have they have they done this? Absolutely. That's what that that documentary that I saw. Going clear. It's just former members who were gang stalked, who had fake. And sometimes real information about their past leaked, but like they, Scientology. Um, L. Ron Hubbard at one point said, "Never defend Scientology. Always attack. Always go after the person. If anyone tries to investigate Scientology, you investigate that person ten times over." That's why I was a little trepidatious about doing an episode on Scientology. Yeah, you think <laughs> that was also why I was trepidatious, Nick? And you were like, "Nah, it'll be fine." Nah, man, I will not be intimidated. I'm glad. I think I've been somewhat of an open book, right? So, uh, what do they got on me? <laughs> Haven't you also said at some points, Mike, like Nick? I don't think I could ever run for public office. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of shit that they would dig up. <laughs> Ooh, what a sad song indeed! Oh my god! They're gonna and the li- lie, beg, cry, and plot, and it goes on. Then the priest told him a lot of wrong 
shots fired over there. The priest told him a lot of bunk. Also, by the way, L. Ron Hubbard wrote all of these lyrics. So this is still direct from the Messiah's mouth. It's And it's meant for adults. I don't know, because this song has a child's children's chorus, but like rape is mentioned a lot in other songs, mostly in regards to how terrible the world is and how Scientology is the only way to fix it. Oh my god. Oh yeah, no, Scientology's end goal is to make everyone a Scientologist. Basically, everyone else is an SP and needs to go in a hole somewhere. Because my, our minds aren't expanded enough Ugh. to fix all these problems, Mike. Okay, god, only Scientology is, can do it. This kind of shit is what got the Crusades, man. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, what? Draw on some parallels. I like it. I, you cut everyone else out. Oh my god! And this is why people leave their families. Absolutely, because the whole point of Scientology is they make you. The term is disconnect. If anyone is not a member of Scientology, they're considered an SP. So literally, in your fa- if if you are in the church and your kids aren't, you have to disconnect from them. You can't have any contact with your children. In fact, they have a term, uh, PTS, which is potential trouble source, and that's actually what ended uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's marriage because Nicole Kidman, her dad was one of the most famous and well-known psychologists in Australia. Mm. Huge conflict of interest. So she, both she she was he was. An SP, and she was a PTS. What does PTS stand for again? Potential trouble source. Mike, isn't that what you call your dick? <laughs> a potential trouble source? Isn't that the name you gave to it, PTS? Uh, no, no, Steve. No, I, I named... And when it's not performing, it's a suppressive person. Stop suppressing people with your penis, Mike. <laughs> My suppressive penis? No, it's a supportive penis, Steve, okay? <laughs> the Thetans have left! <laughs> And we made it sexy. And it's, a, and it's a potential terrific source, okay? <laughs> Once again, I like your positive spin on all aspects of Scientology. Yes. I will break you one day. <laughs> but guys, there's one last song that I want to discuss that L. Ron Hubbard had his hand in. Oh, thanks, Zenu. <laughs> Thank Zenu. And not only did he have a hand in this song, he's in it. Not only is he in it, He's singing. Oh, I can't. Not only is he singing, he's eating. (laughs) Not only is he eating, he's stripping. What? (laughs) Now, guys, remember how a few episodes back we said the song I Want to Spend My Lifetime Loving You was by far the sexiest song we ever covered on this podcast? Yeah. Well, it only held that record for a few episodes because get ready to hear the song. Thank you for listening. Listening, I write just for you, but others hearing this may find things they would argue. Oh my god! This sounds like the opening. That cre- was the sound of everyone's <laughs> pants dropping. <laughs> this sounds like the opening credits theme to like a mid to late '80s. TV program in ab- hell about some sort of horrible alien monster. It sounds it's <laughs> like you look terrified. It's like Perfect Strangers if Balky was a horrible bastard. <laughs> do you want to hear that last impossible note again? I yes, you do. Things they would argue. How how do you how do you listen to that <laughs> and not immediately sign up for Scientology? <laughs> I know it's crazy. Oh, <laughs> oh, he goes on. God. I do not sing what I believe. I only give them fact. If they believe quite otherwise, it still will have impact. Ah! Oh, 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 fuck this guy. Fuck, <laughs> fuck this guy so hard, man. Like, ah, ah, and, ah, ah. It's like completely shutting off any potential discussions or debates or that's the point Mike. like looks at where these things are coming from and just because this guy's out on a what he was like tripping balls off some cocaine or something which you don't even trip, I, don't, I don't even know it's, he was taking some amphetamines when he was on that boat I, with the jazz musicians and he's like this is it that's yeah, Mike. This isn't an open-minded world philosophy. It's Scientology or nothing. He's got the answers. 
You don't, you SP. He's got the answers. Are you even clear? He's got the answers. He's got the look. <laughs> He's, He's got, got the, the moxie. He's got the urge to herbal. And he's just got one last little verse here. For truth is truth, and if they then decide to live with lies, that's their concern, not mine, my friend. They're free to fantasize. But um but um and that's literally what he leaves you at. When does Urkel show up? Uh, <laughs> Did I do that? I actually have been thinking about Family Matters. Listen to this. Oh, my God. It's, Mike, you look bothered. I'm bothered. You're, and you're free to fantasize. That's what L. Ron Hubbard says. I'm bothered because I like... I guess, you know, and at the same time, I think, I guess maybe every religion is like this. You know, you can't sit down and chat about it try to figure out what the hell's going on you'd like to think you could that there's some but there's no room for debate in any of this l ron hubbard wrote the text you read the text you follow the text that's it but he wrote the text he wrote the text and he figured it all out on the boat on the boat throughout his his... travels to the mongolian he figured it out on a boat he figured it out with a goat he figured it out here and there he figured it out everywhere well I'm not going with this Dr. Seuss shit. <laughs> Guys, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> now who's a serious... Now who's nobody? Oh, oh, L. Ron Hubbard indirectly. He figured it out on a chair. He figured it out eating a pear. Uh, he figured it out and it's all shit. He figured it out and I... I'm over it. I'm over it. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you are because this was actually technically released posthumously. He died in 1986. This album came out right after he died, but that was the last little he recorded bit. He died in 86? Yes. When, what, what, it, what, do you know what the exact date was in 86? Shit, I don't have the exact date. Why? Hmm. hmm. I was born in 86. Hmm. Well, fuck you if you're the <laughs> reincarnation of him. No, he's not, because L. Ron Hubbard was obviously clear. He had no Thetans in him, right. so none of his Thetans jumped into you. Yeah, how the hell was he born clear? He wasn't born clear. He got the Thetans out of him, using Scientology. Who's his auditor? He did it himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck him. I talk to myself every day, man. You just, does that mean I don't have Thetans? But do you have an E-meter, Mike? Are, yeah. you even, are you even auditing, bro? Yeah. I got an internal biological E-meter. <laughs> called my pancreas <laughs> and it's barely working <laughs> i was gonna say it's my penis yeah <laughs> we had already made so many penis jokes i was trying to be we gotta move to another no, i just said i use that and then i feel better afterwards just like the e-meter right <laughs> <laughs> essentially yes well, um, i don't know the e-meter is also the device that all those ghost hunting shows use to try to detect ghosts does your dick detect ghosts mike because if if so you're legally obligated to tell us you know, it does get scared stiff <laughs> <laughs> scared stiff Oh my god! Could you imagine if you just got I'm trying not to super aroused anytime a ghost was around? That'd be the best ghost hunting show ever, <laughs> guys! Ghost, ghost busting, uh, ghost, bust. ghost busting nut! <laughs> Damn it! I was gonna do that. I was gonna bust a nut. <laughs> well, speaking of <coughs> ghost busting nuts, uh, that is it for this episode. This is so the first half of the music of Scientology is all about kind of the rise of L. Ron Hubbard because right now things are kind of sort of going up for Scientology. Like, they got a whole bunch of IRS issues, but their membership is going up. They're getting some big celebrities. Things are going up like Mike in a haunted hospital. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, as we will discuss on part two of the music of Scientology, uh, a lot of the music that comes after that is kind of damage control. It's post-L. Ron Hubbard propaganda music designed to make Scientology seem like a perfectly normal thing to join. Uh, and there's some great stuff in there. So that is what we'll be getting into on part two of the music of Scientology. Ah, uh, can't wait. Ah, uh, brilliant. Are we doing a real goodbye or just say to be continued? <laughs> <laughs>
No, we <laughs> no, do we'll, a real goodbye. Uh, okay. We'll do a real goodbye. Just like L. Ron Hubbard had a song, thank you for listening. We likewise will thank our listeners for listening and ask uh, to please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, once again, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you've not done so already. Uh, and you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Brigadier. And uh, keep an eye out for some cool Dapper Devil production stuff coming soon as well. That is the production company that this podcast is under. There's some cool stuff coming for that in the near future. And uh, Mr. Mike Russell. Uh, yeah, you can find my stuff at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR. Or on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.dot. And uh, yeah, like Nick said, please send us suggestions, reviews, five stars, all that jazz. Uh, report gmail.com. And uh, why don't you also tell us, I don't know, who's your favorite Scientologist? Is it Will Smith? Is it, is it Will Smith? And if you have any info about it, please send it our way. Such as, is he actually a Scientologist? We'd like to know. Uh, is he just like a cool guy that is a decent enough person? I'm he does t- kind of look like my. Im- impression of what a Thetan would be in the upcoming Aladdin movie, though. Yo, you know what I need to know now, though? Oh, my God. I shouldn't even ask this question. It's at the end of the episode. But, like, he sponsored some some teachers to go teach at a school that were Scientologists. But how can the teachers be in the same school with non-Scientologists as if everyone's an SP? It's a huge conflict of interest. You're right. Unless he's just not a Scientologist. Or, but you say, wait, he sent... He opened a school and he got Scientology teachers like p- people who were sci- who who studied Scientology yes. to be teachers at this school. We will dive into oh, that I'm in great depth for the next on our Patreon bonus episode. <laughs> no, we don't have a Patreon bonus episode. And uh, Steven, where may we find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at yourmantrolo. Uh, you can find me eventually on uh, the website I will be building for my new uh, uh, religion uh, based uh-huh. around uh, uh, the Dark Lord Xenu, all hail. Um, Ooh, like the uh, Satanist equivalent of a yes, Scientologist. Uh, I will be uh, uh, spreading more information about that as uh, time goes on, but uh, rest assured that we will soon be capturing as many human souls as we can for experimentation. Sounds great. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm an acolyte of the Dark Lord Xenu. And we will see you next week for Scientology Part 2. Take care. All hail Xenu. Fuck Xenu! Lord of the Soul Volcano!